0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny
1: Connell, back to throw versus Denver.
0: He's his tight end and Rajah Bell. Bell has done everything. Twenty-two
2: for Rajah. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
3: Alright, what's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Canal, Rajavel, Bell, the Ryder Cup. How, how dialed in are you?
2: Uh, yeah, well, since it started at 3 a.m., I'm not, yeah, no. 20 a.m. No. I was
3: up. I was out there tweeting it, live <laughs> tweeting it, watching it. I was at, I was, I was at there. the
2: Canes game, so I couldn't be up.
3: Right. I failed. I, I, I couldn't do it, though. I fell asleep after a while. I watched about an hour and then went back to sleep. I watched
2: the second, uh, the afternoon groupings.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, up. I'll be, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to plop on the couch and watch the rest of them. You know who has been watching them? Our guy, Mark Immelman, our buddy here at uh, CBS Sports HQ, our CBS Sports Golf analyst. Does a fantastic job. He's got a great podcast called On the Mark. You should go check that out. His Twitter handle at Mark underscore Emmelman. Make sure you go give him a follow. He's a great follow. Always good golf insight and a lot of other stuff too. Mark, what's going on, man? How are you still? You surviving? Have you you've been watching the entire
0: time? Correct. Two a.m. I was up. I saw you tweeted. Then you disappeared for a while. You guys are (laughs) soft man. Real athletes. Whatever. It's up to us golfers to be up with the early morning shift. Yeah. I've been jacked for this thing for a long time. I was up, alarm went off just before 2, got the coffee, and I was in for the long haul. And, man, it has been some sort of morning already. Mark,
2: hey, I, I guess the question for me uh going in, Phil Mickelson, because down the stretch he looked like he struggled. Um, obviously, he's been a big part of Ryder Cup history as far as American side goes. How much do you think we'll see him this week?
0: Well, that's a really good question, Raja. Uh, the issue with Phil is he comes into the event not playing his best, but he's Phil Mickelson and I must qualify my observations with that because he's got wonderful hands. He's always able to, you know, manufacture or something, but the golf course set up this week at uh, Le Golf National is really placing a premium on putting the golf ball in play. I mean, the rough is heavy. If you're missing fairways, you're basically almost pitching out at times. And so Phil, who's been battling a bit of a two-way miss last week at Eastlake and uh, from all reports earlier this week over in France, uh, I think was sort of a little unsure of the game. There's no doubt in my mind he would have spoken with Captain Jim Furyk and made the call. But to your question, you know, four balls this morning, better ball. I figured we might see him go with a partner because the partner can sort of carry you. This afternoon, in alternate shot, it's going to place a real premium on putting the ball in place. So I'm not so sure we will see him. So I'm, he has to get a run at some stage. I'm not sure it will be in the foursomes this afternoon, perhaps tomorrow morning. But the thing is, we've seen it already this morning, where if you are, if you bet one out of play and you kind of ball in pocket and your partner's on his own... There is peril waiting everywhere. So it's almost a kind of deal where, even in this better ball format, you've got to be too strong. You've got to have two golf balls in play. Mark,
3: one of the storylines coming in was people were surprised that Jim Furyk switched the pairing of Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth. They had so much success the last mm-hmm. time the Ryder Cup was played. Instead, he goes Tiger Woods and Patrick Reed together. Today, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas playing together. They're down one as we sit right now uh, while while it's going on live. Were you surprised that he, that he messed kind of with the chemistry that was going on with Spieth and uh, Patrick Reed?
0: Well, in a little sort of a way, but a few weeks ago, I'd mentioned this in a previous CBS show. I was at the BMW Championship and Tiger was part of the mix there and Patrick Reed was in the playoffs and Tiger, after a bad putting day, was on the green at like 6 p.m. in the evening working on his game and Reed came ambling over and I watched the interaction. It was very, um I, I can't use the word intimate, but very engaged and it looked like they were really into what each other were doing and uh, Tiger was fiddling around with Patrick Reed's putter, and this sort of lodged in the back of my head as if to say, you know, maybe there's a little something percolating over here. So I, I think there's been some chemistry growing there. There's a lot of Tiger and Bryson conversation, fault in its shot. So splitting up a winning combination, you know, that's not the best idea. But Tiger and Reed have been pretty stout so far. JT and Jordan Speeth, they know each other so well. They're longtime buddies. They understand each other's games. So I don't think. Really, in the grander scheme of things, splitting Reed and Jordan for Reed and Justin Thomas or Reed and Tiger is that bad a deal because they, they all have a lot of chemistry going on.
2: Uh, Mark, talk to about the momentum swings because when I woke up this morning, it looked like that Europe had jumped out a bit. Um, then the U.S. kind of came back. And it looks like, you know, more so than when you're in the individual uh, golf sport, that this team golf sport has
0: a pendulum that swings greatly uh, from hole to hole. And there's no doubt. I mean, it's just like sport, as you guys know. In the NFL, in the NBA, you know that you wait for runs, basically. And there was an early run by the Euros. They were up in three matches and down in one. And it looked like they were building on that ascendancy. But all of a sudden, the, the, the Americans clipped away at that leaderboard, turned matches around. At one stage, it was three red flags on the board and, and one Euro flag. And then the whole momentum had shifted. And you almost got the sense that the home crowd, that home field advantage that everyone was making a big deal about. That was sort of neutralized a little bit. Um but then the the Euro sort of clipped back, Molinari made a big putt, um uh Tyrrell Hatton and Paul Casey clipped into Jordan Spieth and, and and Justin Thomas's lead and things started switching. But the big deal right now for me and they were on eighteen hole the eighteenth when I, when I last checked, was the Rose Rahm uh, game playing against Tony Finau and Brooks Kepka. The entire match, Rose and Rahm had been up until Brooks clipped one away and then Tony just stiffed one on the difficult par 3, the 16th. They squared that match, so that would be a big one there if the Americans can somehow turn that game red.
3: That was huge. I think the atmosphere is one of the things that I love about it because golf is traditionally very reserved, very quiet. They were actually booing female before.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Apparently you went at East Lake last week. Did you see what went down with the Oh, players that was over it, there?
3: that was fantastic. It was incredible. But they still got quiet. So Fina was going for that birdie putt you're talking about and they actually booed him before he putt. Like it's normal they'll boo after you miss a putt kind of in cheering for their own team, but they actually booed him before. Do you think that it bothers some players more so than others? The the atmosphere and the crowd that's a little bit more ruckus than usual?
0: Well, that's hard to say because no one really i think will ever admit it to us media folks but you know in in the recesses of your mind you guys have been there you, you you show men also you know and so when you're over something and someone's kind of heckling you before you go that can creep under the skin but the ultimate measure of the athlete and certainly these pga tour and european tour players is the ability to deal with adversity it's a lesson i learned from gary player We've seen Patrick Reed thrive under it. I mean, he welcomes the heckling. Um, You've seen Tiger Woods who can sort of zone through the whole thing. So all of them deal with it in their own way. For Fina, he's just an easygoing sort of a guy, and I almost think it would be like water on a duck's back for Tony Fina.
2: You you talked about putting the ball in play, being at a premium, the rough being up. Uh, My question is, when when you're setting up as the home team, do you pick a course based on the deficiencies of your opponent? Do you set it up according to what you think they can and cannot do well? Does that all factor into the course that you're going to play the Ryder Cup on, or is it a mutually agreed-upon location?
0: No, it's well. the location is decided by the European Tour over in Europe or the PGA over here in the United States. But then once the location is selected, the captain gets to go in there and basically define how they want the place set up. This week in France, the Greens are sort of a bent grass, Poignier mix. They're rolling around 11ish, which is a, a, a couple feet slower on the stimp meter than in America. Um, the uh, the rough has certainly been pinched in because the the Euros are trying to neutralize the power advantage that the Americans have with Johnson and Kepka and Finao and Justin Thomas and company. So the setup has been set up in favor of the home squad, but you know what? That you've still got to go and play. And I've seen NFL teams win on the road, and I've certainly seen uh, Ryder Cup teams win on the road. That being said, the Americans have had a tough time of it in Europe of late, but this team that's that's on offer right now is pretty special.
3: Yeah, this one feels pretty good, and uh it's coming down to the wire a lot of these matches. One last question, non-Ryder Cup related. Raja and I are all in on Tiger next year. You were there in uh-huh. Atlanta. You saw that scene you were just talking about. I think he's going to get that 15th major. I think he gets the next one. Are you comfortable with that now? Because two or three years ago, we would have never even imagined saying that. And now we're sitting here thinking. You hey, you, a, you would oh, I, I was I good. Said he was always on board. How, how, how would you assess where Tiger is right now?
0: Uh, I'm once bitten, twice shy. Because earlier this season, I took a bet with a couple of uh, CBS colleagues And I said, I didn't think Tiger was going to win this year. And yes, I'm admitting this to uh, the (laughs) global audience. But he's Tiger. Um, I don't think, and I wasn't discounting Tiger. I was um, elevating the PGA Tour talent level as it currently is with Dustin Johnson and McElroy. and, And week in and week out, anybody can win out there. But with what Tiger did this year and what Tiger proved to himself, and more importantly, what Tiger proved to his peers... Is he able to win now? Yes, he's proved it to us. Is he able to contend in majors? Sure. He had the lead at the Open Championship for a long while. And if it's not for Francesco Molinari, it may be a different story. And Tiger's got a major. So can he contend next year in the majors? Sure. Will he win one of the four? I don't know, man. I wish I knew because I'd go to Vegas right away. I promise you.
3: <laughs> I love it. Hey, Mark, we'll let you get back. Some of these matches are coming down the wire, down the stretch. Last couple holes, two all square. The uh, uh, the U.S. has one point on the board, and then they're trailing in the Justin Thomas-Jordan Spieth match to Casey and Hatton. We'll let you watch the finish of that one. Thanks for coming on with us, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: Sure, boys. You take care.
3: All right. Good stuff. From mark Emmelman. Great stuff. Make sure you go check out his podcast on the mark. Uh, really good dude off some good, great, uh, golf insight and just family stuff. Good, good all around guy. So fun sure. to hear from him. Ryder Cup. I love it about the fact that I was talking about the crowd stuff. Yeah. Like that to me is the most compelling part of it. It's a, and it's your country. Like it's getting in there, getting patriotic, but the, the fans are, I think the more we've gone, especially in the last 10 years. So the last five Ryder Cups or so, I think. When Europeans are watching it go on over here, they're like, wait a second, they're getting away with that? Right. So then when it goes back over there, they're pushing the, the envelope. Yeah. Like I was talking about when Fino's getting booed, uh, Fina was getting booed before he putts. And I think it definitely rattles
2: some so, of these guys. So, of course, dude, of course. Yeah. I mean, look, when you're not used to people yelling and screaming, um, in, in whatever you do, like for basketball players, football players, you know, general team sports, it's not a big deal. People are up there yelling and screaming the whole time. But when you're talking about, You know, the golf of the world, like archery, sports like that where you're used to like quiet, right? That can be disconcerting for some people. Now some people like, like Patrick Reed appear to thrive in that. I guess my question would be like, they booed up until when did they make did they make them quiet down eventually or did they right. boo like
3: I think they don't I don't think there's anybody like you know on tennis they'll say quiet please right I don't think they have anybody that says that they just kind of assume and the golfer kind of waits a second and then they kind of calm down and they're like alright so we could
2: hit. we could eventually get to a point <laughs> yes. where this envelope is pushed and pushed that they're yes. just yelling throughout the stroke I hope they See, do I hope they do too that's, because what, that's I, what
3: they do in Arizona when they have the craziness out there at the, yeah, uh, the waste, waste management. management deal when, and actually some of the guys, I think Ricky Fowler did it some of the guys guys actually will say like get it, louder yeah. or let me hear more of it so we can get going I have screwed up the score I am a left to right reader so that's why I'm assuming when it says Casey and Hatton one up over Justin Thomas but that is not the case Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth are one up against the other one. I okay, was, I need to look at the. That's, red, good, news. The that's red, good news. That's good news. Great news. Like, hey, if yeah. you're listening, yeah. like, hey, you thought that we were trailing that right. one. It's great news. Uh, good to see Dustin Johnson's over there representing. Yeah, he switched his putting stroke. I guess last week in Atlanta to cross-handed. He's continued with that, so he's playing a little bit better. And I think his personal life is a little bit better now too.
2: It they squared it away. I think so. Okay, good for Lost you. Lost it. Whatever for, problems they for had. Good DJ, she's over there. Their that, family looks good. Good, good. So, I listen. Most importantly, I mean it's. That's a very serious thing, number one, with your family. But as it pertains to you being able to concentrate and do your job when you're a when you're a top one percent at anything, not just sports, um, it could just throw your concentration off that that fraction of a degree that doesn't make you one of the best on the planet at what you do. So it's really important to have you know the things around you in place and solid and not distracting you when you're trying to be great at something
3: for sure Coca, our producer super nervous right now that we're talking about personal life He's like it's <laughs> like crap go to break go to break all right we're going to take a break we'll come back why? talk about
2: incredible why? NFL game why what is the... up <laughs> was last night how can, can we go through a whole se- wait how can we go through a whole segment a whole setup uh at this hour and not talk about what the hurricanes did last night oh, how does that happen do that it was the only college football game we're, on last we're night we're
3: going to do some hurricanes talk maybe at 7 some canes talk Six. <laughs>
2: all right, we'll do that and more coming up next and off the bench.
3: Right, we got news in 90.
2: We even have more of an update because literally it just happened right now. I just let like, Coca follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's major. That just right happened. There. That yeah. just happened. And all you right. don't give it out to everybody. No, you're a close yep.
3: private guy.
2: Yeah, like, it took you know? me a while to. Yeah, so, all right, what, no, what was <laughs> All right, so the news
3: update is the U.S. team now holds a two to nothing lead Ooh. over Team Europe you, as the team hey. of Brooks Kepka and Tony hey. Finau. Uh, won their match on the 18th hole. They were trailing the entire match and on the 18th hole actually come out to win that one against, uh, uh, Justin Rose and John Rom. So that was a, that was a pretty crazy match for them to come all the way back. I was worried about them because Final, first guy there, Kepka's a little bit younger. Like, I was worried about the match and they're able to get that one. Like, this, this thing's gonna be a blowout.
2: Those dudes, I, I, you know what? I would never worry about those two together. Really? You know, only because, like, Brooks, we've talked about Brooks, like, he's (laughs) kind of like, you know, like yeah, I don't know that the moment really bothers him. No, and, it's got so <laughs> opens to his name. You know what I mean? Like, no, but I mean, I'm just back. generally speaking, I mean, I know he's really good at golf, but yeah. I mean, like, he just looks like a dude who don't really care too much about much. Right. And he's and the guy that doesn't. So he's the dude
3: that didn't even love golf growing up. Like, wanted to be a baseball right. player. Like, he's an athlete out it's like, there. Like, I'm good at this. Yeah, I think this yeah. is all icing on the cake in his life. So he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, good. I'm if good. we win yeah. it, it's great. We'll bring back the cup. Uh So uh good news there. And, uh, the U.S. are actually, Tiger Woods and Patrick Reed are now one down oh, to guy. Francisco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood with, Fleet with a big fist pump. Maybe that's right in Tiger's he's face. Done. This is what we need though to no. wake up Tiger Woods.
2: They play together a lot down the stretch. They played together at, uh, the BMW, I think, and they played together at, uh, at Lake, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so.
3: let's we'll keep an eye on that one. That's what's the one. Well, I think we should just do that. Just watch the Ryder Cup and just do the show live as we watch it. Yeah. And we could actually and announce just, it yeah. in our European. Scrap
2: board. the rundown. Let's do it.
3: Yeah, for sure. We do have to do some NFL. <sighs> and we're gonna do the K- Oh. Game. We're going to get to the Canes game. We're going to get to that a little bit later. All right. Push that back. Push it, keep uh, it. <laughs> Rams, Vikings. I'm a little bit nervous. I picked the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl. You I and picked Kirk your crush on Kirk Cousins. Oh, Kirk Cousins. Yes. yes. So here's what bothers me. I know we're going to talk about the winning team. But Kirk Cousins did everything he could, put the team on his back and went toe-to-toe with this high-powered, prolific offense that Sean McVay runs. And he can't go out there and play both sides of the ball. I feel like Giselle when, yeah. when she was yelling at those he fans. He can't catch the ball. Yeah, too. he can't do it all. Kirk Cousins can't do it all. I'll be his, Giselle. No problem. Um But seriously, this game was about the Rams. Playing at home. They're off to a 4-0 start. Jared Goff, that could be, that could be for him. Thursday night football, prime time. It's the only game in town. Everyone's watching it. That could be really like a break, like coming out party for Jared Goff. Cause I think people appreciate him, knew who he was. But that to me on a stage like that, that was a monster performance.
2: Um, first let me touch on the Kirk Cousins thing. Cause okay. in like, I'm not as head over with heels him. with Kirk <laughs> as you are. But I will say this. He has done, he has earned his bread. Like he is doing the, everything except getting the wins. And I think that falls more on the defense that was this this like juggernaut last year yeah. and they just didn't they're not doing it right now um so I, I want to say that about Kirk because I, I am acknowledging that he's playing really really well um I had said a couple times I didn't think that the Rams were really clicking offensively through the first three games it looked like it kind of all came together a little bit last night and Jared Goff like he was the first pick yeah and one pick overall. a lot of people killed them because a lot of people thought that Carson Wentz was the guy now Carson's played really really well but my question to you is. Is Jared Goff closing the gap? Like, oh, is, for is, sure. Is he between him and Carson Wentz? And who do you think ultimately winds up being the better? Or are they just both going to be great? Which would
3: be awesome because I think normally if you would have had a one and two go so like they did, you would have had historically one of those guys be a bust. Like right. We talked about it a lot on here in the draft process. I think we're getting better at evaluating. I think there's a better like guys are just doing a better job that the scouts and GMs of of recognizing the talent and actually making better picks. But both of these two guys, I would like, now, of course, the entire country would say Jared Goff is the better guy. Right. Carson Wentz was hurt. Now we're going to see how he goes. You know, he's, he was having an MVP type season last year. So I don't think people forget about that. But because we have a recency bias, we're going to look at, you know, Jared Goff now and say, Oh, maybe he's the best quarterback in this class. I think they both could be outstanding. They're both in really good positions. You know, obviously playing on really good teams. Mm Both have quarterback-minded coaches. Doug Peterson played the position for a long time. I think that helped Carson Wentz a tremendous amount. Sean McVay is an offensive guru. The thing about the touchdown passes that Jared Goff threw last night, he had five. He had the perfect rating, 158.3. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. But when you watch the play design, and this is what I noticed last year with McVay when Goff had a decent year, not this type of year, but a good year, you saw him put him in good positions. Right. So much of that... Playing the position is about having the right pieces around you, but also having a guy who understands how to call plays, and that's what you're seeing when you're finding mismatches, when you're getting Cooper Cup lined up against Anthony Barr and get him in a man. Like those are mismatches. That's what the game. Is well, about. they did that a lot. They caught yeah. Anthony
2: Barr and they caught that a defense. Lot of yeah, they caught him a lot of tough spots. But I, so, how much of the growth do you attribute to golf growing as a quarterback personally, skill set wise, and and mentally, and McVay putting him in those positions do you know what I mean yeah, like if sure. I'm asking a question is like is it is it a 50 50 thing
3: I think they're obviously Jared Goff would have gotten better from year one to two to three where we're right, right now. but this is allowing him to flourish like this where the Rams are now the favorite to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl they're uh almost a three to one favorite to win the Super Bowl which is pretty crazy there's a lot of football to be played um and just being like a pretty decent quarterback, like right. a top fifteen guy, because he's got the skill set.
2: He's tall. So he's you're big. putting a lot. You're 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 McVay's accounting for a lot.
3: I, absolutely, and because uh, I think Jeff Fisher gets trashed. It's kind of a joke that always trends when he's on there. Like, hey, could he have ruined his career? I think you would have seen improvement. It's just natural. You see sure. growth in guys. Now, would he have been this good? I don't think so. And it would the the one of the things that was kind of alarming. And I think this should like make everybody relax a little bit. If you have a young quarterback, hard knocks was there. When Jeff Fisher was the coach, it was Jared Goff and then I'm one up, kind of like Baker Mayfield this year with the, um, with the Browns. They had a couple scenes and he literally could not call the play out in the huddle. He couldn't remember it. Like he right. was like, oh, wait, what, ace right trip? Uh, and he, and he looked really dumb when he was saying it, but he was a rookie. Like people don't understand how big a playbook is, how it, hard it is to grasp it and get it together in your first year in the NFL. So I think it's like a good lesson for anybody that's watching. Like, hey, relax. It takes time to develop these guys. And of course, if you put these young guns in, in good systems with good coaches, then you see what's happening. Special things start to happen. His five touchdowns were as many uh, as he threw his entire
2: rookie season. That's crazy.
3: He had career highs in passing yards and touchdowns. They've scored more than 30 in every game this season. The over, the total number last night was 48. They hit that in the first half. Like it was just a shootout. You saw those types of numbers going on. Here's the thing. Golf has these records. You're going to see these numbers put up all season long because of the rules. No rough in the passer. They're trying, you know, the rough in the passer. They're trying to eliminate that. It's going to be this offensive minded league. That's the direction we've gone. That's what it's going to be. And if we get games like last night, then I think it's great.
2: I started flipping back and forth. Like when I got home from the Canes game, we left at halftime. And so I started watching a bit of Good that game. Canes fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My young kids, man, they got school <laughs> yeah. <that>. Um, but. <laughs> I got a little, I got a little pissed because the announcers were actually calling for a rough in the passer on a play where. What? Yeah, but. A
3: handoff? It, Cause Kirk Cousins got hit a couple times after handoffs.
2: That's how good the Rams defensive line I don't was. know. It, it was, I think he had passed the ball and the defender took one extra step and like two hand kind of just pushed him. And I think Jared Goff, Jared Goff went down like most quarterbacks right. are trained to do now. And the announcers, like the, the, the referees let it go. So I was cool with it, but the announcers are now chiming in that that should be a rough in the passer call. I don't know. I don't know why I brought it up. It just, it went no, yeah. the wrong way.
3: Right. But t- that's, everyone's confused. And then NFL put it out of state. We're going to hit on that a little bit later. The Kane's game. We're going to hit on that a little bit later too. Let's do a little <laughs> Dolphins. with <laughs> do NFL because we got some good games coming up. Dolphins, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Yeah. Three and oh, they're on fire. Ryan Tannehill missed a lot of time, injury. Bro, when he's on the field. 10 and 1. Exactly. Last 11 starts. A winner. He's a winner. He is, so he's a guy. They brought in Adam Gase, similar to what we were talking about with McVay and Golf and Peterson and, and Wentz, those connections. Right. Adam Gase was brought in to help Brian Tannehill. Like, that's why he was hired as the head coach of the Dolphins. Had a tremendous amount of success with, um, with Peyton Manning out in Denver. That's why they found him. Look at the numbers. Is he better than Tom Brady? Right. No. <laughs> I mean, clear, clearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. No, but he's having—he's off to a phenomenal start. Seventy-three percent of his passes completed. Two hundred twenty-nine passes per yards per game. That's a little bit pedestrian considering you know what's happening across the league right now. But statistically, in his first two games, he has been better than Tom Brady. We are not saying that though—he is the goat. Uh, clearly not. But this is the make-or-break moment for both of these teams. I think that's something interesting. We would have never thought that coming into this point of the season that oh my goodness, the Patriots are going to be in a must-win situation week four in Foxborough when the Dolphins come to town. But they are. And the Dolphins, they're kind of playing with house money now because they weren't thinking to win this game. But right. They're trying to prove to people that are questioning them saying, well, who have they really beaten? You know, they beat the sure. Titans, they beat the Jets with a rookie quarterback. You can only play who they you're, who's on your schedule absolutely. though. Absolutely. The thing I can't wait to see is do they challenge the Patriots? How do they look? Because it is panic time if the Patriots lose this game.
2: Yeah, um, I, I heard a stat the other day about like the uh, AFC opponents at Foxborough having won like one time in the last however many tries. It was a, a staggering number. Um The Patriots are, are like that wounded animal right now, kind of backed into the corner, I think. And so why I like the Dolphins, and to the point about not having played anyone, I felt like the Dolphins team was a team that needed that out of the gate. Yeah. They didn't need to go out and see – uh smoke right away they needed to kind of ease into it ryan Tannehill uh coming off the injury you know people discounted like when they signed like was it amandola and some of the some of the receivers that they have around the court like they lost jarvis landry a lot of people right kind of hated on that but he's got a lot of weapons like he's got a lot of guys that are fast and 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 he can get the ball out and so with that i felt like they needed a soft schedule if you will up front right like see some success, see the ball go in the hoop a little bit, right? Start to develop a little bit of swag, and now they're rolling so you can go into Foxborough and feel like this isn't too daunting of a task, like we're supposed to beat the Patriots. My only problem with that is – I've always said, and I'll continue to say, I'm going with the proven entity, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, they started one and two, or whatever they are. Yep. I, I think that at Foxborough, in a situation where they know their back is against the wall, you'd be silly to bet against them. I am going to bet against them, but I, I'm calling myself silly for doing it.
3: Tom Brady's 14 and one against the Dolphins in Foxborough. Obviously, had a lot. of And I think the one game that the Dolphins won, I think I'm pretty sure about this is the time they broke out the Wildcat and nobody had seen it. And they went up there and won in Foxborough. And everybody was like, what are they doing out there? There's not a quarterback. And like caught everybody by surprise, including the Patriots. So they've had absolute dominance there. To your point about the slow start for the Patriots, every single time they've been to the Super Bowl, they've been two or two or worse. And they've, that's just, they're a slow starting team. They do. And if they start one and three, I think you and I would be, it's panic time. I guarantee you Bill Belichick can say, go back and look at what happened in 2001. They started one and three, uh, finished the, the season 10 and two and won, uh, won the Super Bowl that year. Yep. So, but that's going to be a, a, a fascinating game for a bunch of reasons. Baker Mayfield getting the start against the Raiders on the road. Now it is our, I think it already is panic time with Oakland, with them starting off 0 and three. The Browns finally get to bust open the coolers. They get to open the beer because they got their first win. I think this is a tough spot for the Browns though in Baker Mayfield because you're facing this team with their back against the wall.
2: Again, same situation. You, you, the wounded animals scenario in sports is very real and especially when you're playing on the wounded animals home field. Um, but I do think that this is a situation where Baker can have success and part of me wants to buy into like the Cinderella story of the Browns getting their first what back to back wins in What, since 2014? Yeah. Uh, because, and for this reason, like, Oakland has no pass rush. And if you got a young quarterback and you're gonna, and who's as accurate as Baker, and that's what everybody says about Baker Mayfield. Two things. Like, he's got it, like, in terms of personality wise, and then he's super duper accurate. If you're not gonna get after him and make him have to, you know, move and, and second guess what he's looking at, I think he could pick them apart. I don't know if it translates to a win, uh, but, Anyway, I think Baker could look good, and they could still possibly lose the game.
3: Right. The the Raiders' demise have been these second-half collapses. they led every single game, all three games, and they've collapsed in the second half. I don't love the fact John Gruden, old school, Derek Carr, younger quarterback. He called him out this week publicly to the media and said he's trying to do too much at times because he had a couple bad interceptions against the Dolphins. I think, like, did he forget what he did against the Broncos when the defense collapsed and they gave up, you know, some, some late touchdowns to blow that lead? When I think Derek Carr was either 28 of 32 or 29 of 32. Like, set a record for, I don't think a quarterback has ever had that high of a completion percentage and lost a game before. Right? Like, did he forget about that game? Yeah. I don't love him calling out Derek Carr at this point of the season when it's already there. I don't love John Gruden.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just right. going to say, I mean, right. no, I don't,
3: no, I don't he's, I... A, he's an old school coach. Yeah. He's going to let you have it. Like, I... we're going to see Chucky start coming out. Like more and more as they get as this season, if they start losing, like you're going to see Chucky come out a lot.
2: There are dudes that I can look at and, and just watch, especially if I hear you on TV for a while and I can tell you whether I would have like coexisted with you as my coach. Like I don't know that he would be one of those guys. Like I think that I'd, I'd have a beef with Chucky. Yeah. Or John Gruden, whichever one of them showed up. Like I said, it, it wouldn't
3: matter. I don't, I don't think the Whichever one. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Ravens Steelers. Yeah. Steelers get the big win. Monday night football, national stage against the Bucks. It's funny how it works. The drama does. It's the drama is a big deal when you're losing, and if you're winning, it's not a big deal. It's just a fact. It's like what happens, and I think that's what Mike Tomlin was trying to send that message. Ben Roethlisberger was trying to send that message while we were all talking about the drama. I still think this team. I don't trust them. I just don't trust them. Le'Veon Bell, no, no Le'Veon Bell. Ben's out there flopping. I still, but I do think they win this game. Um, the Ravens, I don't trust them either. Like, these are two teams, yeah. I don't look at either of them and say, I feel confident that team moving forward. I feel more confident in the Steelers than I do in Flacco and the Ravens.
2: Steelers offensively 7th in points per game, 2nd in yards per game, and pass yard per game, and uh 23rd in rush yards per game. Like, offensively, they look good, but Baltimore is good on the defensive side of the ball. And yep. so, for that reason, um, and, and, like, Baltimore usually offensively isn't great, but the Ravens are the first team in NFL history to score 12 touchdowns on their first 12 trips to the, to the red zone. So offensively, they seem to have some things figured out. So I'm going to give the advantage to Baltimore, but like in these, these, this is a rivalry game, right? Like the Ravens, Steelers, AFC, like they're usually one and two usually, right? Yep. Um At Pittsburgh, it could be difficult. I'm going to take the Ravens though. I think, I don't think that, dysfunction gets smoothed out and figured out, smoothed over and figured out like right away and you're just trending in the right direction. I think that's one of these where you're kind of up, you're down, you're up, you're down, and then eventually you hit your stride if it's meant to be. I don't know that everything's good and we're going to be on this upward trajectory for the rest of the season.
3: So every Friday we do our move in the line segment. We do our picks. Yeah. You know what your
2: record is? I, pro- I took a hit last week. I know. I think, I, I don't, but I think I did. I tried to get cute with it. I are going to do that
3: next. I want uh, to see what the standings are yeah. and we're going to let you talk about that Canes game a little bit later. <laughs> All right, we'll do that more. Come back <clears throat> off the bench. All right, let's do it. Let's check out the standings. Because if you wanna, if you wanna make some wise investments, you'll listen to us. One of us, maybe you can figure it out. Rajah's tearing it up, ten and six. I'm in an, uh, an abysmal six and ten on the year so far. I feel like the guy. It happens in baseball a lot of times. I'm sure it happens in basketball too. We just get off to a rough start, and then you start to press, and you're like you start feeling the <laughs> you start pressure.
2: guiding it a little I'm in bit. That you're spot not just right now. I'm not, I'm
3: not feeling a lot of confidence.
2: You're reaching it. Yeah, a, a, it's just
3: like I'm a little tentative. I don't like the feeling I'm in, but I can turn around <laughs> one big week. That's all I uh, all I need. So let's start off with some college football. All right, Stanford goes on the road to Notre Dame. I think both of these teams are in the playoff picture. Right. Um, Stanford avoided disaster uh, last week at Oregon with a big comeback. Notre Dame made the switch at quarterback going to Ian book over uh Brandon Wimbush who do you like in this spot Stanford five and a half point underdog
2: I'm gonna take Notre Dame to cover at home um because of the the Ian book that switched. I think he, yeah, he looks switched. much better yeah and Brady was in here the other day talking about he's better in that offense um gives him the, a, a couple a couple threats that you wouldn't necessarily have with with Wimbush um and I don't trust Stanford I said it when when they came out against Oregon I just thought that they didn't pass the eyeball test for me so I'm gonna go with Notre Dame
3: you know where Brady Quinn went to school, right? He went to Notre Dame. So of course he's going to like the weapons they're working with. I like Stanford with the points here, five and a half. I would, I lo- I would love to go money line, but since there's no advantage to that with our standings, I'm yeah. going to take the points. I actually like Stanford to win this game outright. I think they're more physical. The thing about Notre Dame, it was against Wake Forest. Wake Forest fired their defensive coordinator after that game. Like that is not a very good team. I would expect Ian Book to look better in that one. This will be his first real moment under the spotlight with the national audience watching. Yeah. I don't trust him as much, and I've said this a couple times. I think David Shaw is his best quarterback he's had, uh, in, in probably five or six years with KJ Costello. So I'm gonna take Stanford in the five and a half. Uh, Ohio State, game of the weekend. Our boy Debo in the control room, he's panicking. Uh, Debo's a sandbagger, cause I think he's always like, oh, no, 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 we're not gonna be that good. Ohio State, three and a half point favorite in this one. It's a whiteout, it's gonna be insane, be the crazy. environment, it'll be awesome. Dwayne Haskins is a baller. I think Ohio State goes in and puts their stamp on this season when we said, oh, this Big Ten East is the most competitive division in there. I think they separate themselves like Alabama has, like Clemson has. I think they go in and win.
2: This is scary for me because you picked my pick. Um, and I like to fade you, but <laughs> you jinxed it. Yeah, Debo, um, good for you, bro. Yeah, um, So yeah, he's fine. He's fine now. Um, I'm going to go with you, though, in Ohio State. These are two of the best offenses in college football, but I think the difference lies on the defensive line with Ohio State. I mean, defensively, period, but especially the defensive line. Um, I don't think Penn State... Can handle that. It's going to be crazy. I wish I was going to the game, but I'm, I'm going to take Ohio State with the three and a half.
3: Uh, I also think it could be potentially Tua Tongavaloa is the clubhouse favorite for the Heisman Trophy. This type of game, prime time, close to the wire, crazy environment. I think you can see Dwayne Haskins make a significant move, or if Ohio or if Penn State pulls off the upset, I think Trace McSorley could pop in that conversation too, if he has that sort of monster game.
2: Do you know? I heard that James Franklin is like fifty six and one, like against the number, like really, yeah, like he's like stupid. So like we might both be wrong. All
3: right, we'll see. We both have Ohio State to cover the three and a half point spread. All right, so if I wonder who made up these picks. Coca, our producer now, he goes, we want to pick West Virginia. That's his squad. <laughs> but it is one of the better games. Of the weekend, Big 12 matchup. Texas Tech went to Stillwater, knocked them off. I think that was a game I lost last week. Uh, Oklahoma State, I thought, was better than that. Texas Tech was a surprise. I still can't get the Texas Tech got waxed by Ole Miss in week one out of my mind. So I'm going to roll with West Virginia in here. Three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I, I usually like the home underdog, but this one, I think West Virginia, Will Greer's is a stud. I think they're just a better, significantly better team than Texas Tech.
2: Yeah, look, I don't know enough about either one of those teams to really break it down, but I know Will Greer, and I'm going to go with West Virginia.
3: Again, another type situation now. Will Greer, the way he gets in the Heisman Trophy conversation, in my mind, is just putting up berserk numbers. That's yeah. what they do. They throw it all all over the place. Um, this is a big game for Cliff Kingsbury, too. Huge game for him last year as far as job security. Um, I think he was very much on the hot seat. Even though he played at Texas Tech, I think fans are getting a little restless. If he won that game, all of a sudden you're talking about Texas Tech being one of the surprise stories of the season. Let's move to the NFL. Dolphins. We broke this game down a little bit uh, last segment. On the road versus Patriots, Patriots
2: six and a half point favorite. Who do you like? I'm going to take the Dolphins in this spot. Uh Yeah, and I said I'd, you'd be so silly. now
3: because yeah. So would you? Do you think they win?
2: I, so I want them to win. Right. I don't know that they will win, but I think that they'll cover the six and a half. I think it'll be a closer game than that, and. I'm going against my better judgment with this one, but I just feel like what the Dolphins have is kind of real. Like I feel like you know Adam Gase made this big thing last year about you know getting rid of certain guys and getting his type of guys in, so the culture in the building was right. I put stock in that kind of stuff, um, and I think they've got this. This mentality that like none of us are necessarily all pros, or I mean, some of them are, but clearly, but none of us are like franchise guys in terms of national media respect, and it's us against the world. I think they're gonna go in there and and keep it close. To to
3: your point, Adam Gase shipped off, Sue. They weren't worried about losing him. Jarvis Landry moved Mm -hmm. him. Uh, It's they've said all off season. This is a different team, different atmosphere. We're we're different. We're not. We're going to be good this year. It's their time to prove it. But I st- I think they cover too. I like the Dolphins in that spot. Another one makes me a little bit nervous. Uh Last one, Ravens on the road against the Steelers.
2: Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens to win the game.
3: Really, yeah. the Ravens are a three point underdog. I'm going with the Steelers to cover at home. I think that kind of helped them kind of uplift things in an offensive game now where the nfl is we saw the shootout last night i have zero confidence that joe flack (laughs) toe-to-toe with the steelers in that offense right so i'm gonna take the steelers to cover the three-point line all right let's bring hannah in here for a little socially relevant
1: real quick how are you guys going to talk about west virginia and not syracuse (laughs)
2: <laughs> if this there is all. Clemson? We still haven't talked Miami, Hannah.
1: Like, oh, it's, no. to later.
2: We're gonna get to that later. That's like a twenty-five point line or <laughs> something like that. We do
3: the best games the weekend. Although, Bye. I would sneaky, sneaky game to watch out for. Clemson made the switch to the quarterback for true freshman Trevor Lawrence. Syracuse is a good football team. I think I'm. I hope they keep it close because it makes Florida State. What right happens if better. Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out? Then Kelly Bryant's gonna be like, "Hey, can I come
2: back?" Is he, or are they gonna be like, "Hey, oh, Kelly Bryant, will oh, you
3: yeah, come back?" Both ways, that would work out perfect.
1: <laughs> Music to my ears. All right, guys, we're moving over to the NBA now. So the Cleveland Cavaliers may not have LeBron James this season, but Tristan Thompson doesn't seem too worried about his squad. On Thursday, he talked to reporters about where he thinks the team's potential is in the Eastern Conference this season. Take a look. We're still four-time Eastern Conference champions. So until you take a down from that,
3: teams ain't got much to say. For Boston, Philly, You got to make you say. Boston had home court game seven, lost. Philly, you guys almost got swept. Toronto, we really know that story. So, until someone takes it down, it's not much to gonna...
0: do <laughs> Marcus Morris
1: that. responded to this on Twitter saying, quote, Tristan Thompson, cut it out. Get that vacation ready early this year, fam. Ain't crap going Ooh. through the Cavs this year. Hashtag facts. Then Ben Simmons also clapped back, too, saying, okay, buddy, see you soon. Tristan <laughs> responded by saying, can't wait. So, interest is defense. What else are you supposed to do during training training camp media sessions? Like, you've got to pump your team up, right?
2: No. No. No? no. You I'm don't kind even, of him no, on this one. Like, no. you can't say, oh, we're done. We're no, you don't need to say you're done. Out. You just say, hey, listen. Don't call we, out the other one. Don't, yeah. you you don't sell out when the whole reason you're selling out is not on your team anymore. There is no more security blanket there in Cleveland. And the only thing there were two things I really loved about that. Do you see the intern, like the PR intern that's yeah. standing next to him? He tried to stay stone face, and then he kinda giggled at the end. Yeah. Um that's fantastic. And then it would only been better if Marcus Morris had just said, Cut it out. Right. Like don't don't even go, hey, dude, just cut it out. <laughs> Stop. Right. Cut Shut it out. It. Yeah. Shut it. <laughs>
1: Tristan Thompson does a lot of questionable things, so just put it on his <laughs> tab.
3: Oh, she's still right. defending the women, she's still defending the Kardashian, I love uh. it.
1: Alright, <laughs> you guys are the show experts on the show, so shoe experts on the show, excuse me, so bear with me here. Artist and shoe designer Kick Stradomus. Stradamus? You guys heard of, heard, Have of you heard of him? You heard of Kick Stradamus? No. Yeah. No? Okay, so he's apparently made a name for himself by creating some of the hottest custom shoes for NBA players. I just threw them on my (laughs) bed. He teased some new new shoes earlier this week, tweeting out, This pair I did for Donovan Mitchell is beyond anything I did last season, and just wait on it. Less than 24 hours later, he dropped some photos of the new shoes you can see there. He said, Wouldn't be right if I didn't lace up my bro Donovan with some fire. This time, I went a little crazy with the Venom there on his Dame 4. So, what do y'all think about this? I have to say, I like the bottom of these shoes. I think that's it.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, so must, <laughs> you must ship him the shoes and yep. he paints them. I'm going to look into this because I, 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 you know, I... With the kids and the cleats oh. and all of that, I might get creative. But the right. Venom the Venom look is hot. I mean, Venom's coming out, what, this weekend? Sorry, yeah. I said yeah. that wrong. Yeah. No, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right, Ron it's Burgundy.
3: All, yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing all the
2: time. Um, they're hot. Like, we didn't have
3: this. I love it. Right. I think the thing that makes it unique, and this is where I would kind of like it, too, a lot of shoes you can go buy at the store. Even if you have your own shoe, like, other people can wear it. Right. When you have a dude... Make a masterpiece on yours. Yeah. Then it's yours. How much you think that runs? Only. How much you think a pair well, of shoes for that, that dude? Out? He, like, he's not paying.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not initials, him. But not like, paying, let's say, say, let's say
3: like, I hit him up. On, like I bet Kickstradamus. I bet he gets hit up for a lot of money.
2: Like, like what? Five, what? Three. Like what do you think it costs? Or like if you said, hey, for, can you hook me up? Dude, or if some, I need I these cleats tricked out. Like here's a pair of size nine cleats. Like how much? How much you think? Two hundred. You hundred take. I bet. Okay.
3: Maybe, I would guess. Now, if he's gaining popularity, it might be up to a grand. Right, 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 right. that's
2: good for him, this is good for his business, for, for sure. For sure. Kickstradamus. Shout out, baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Maybe> <laughs> us <with> the
2: <laughs> Off the bench fair. Hook us up. Hashtag Kickstradamus in our uh, Twitter <laughs> thing. That's right. Let's do it.
1: I'm glad you you guys can say everything right, because I apparently can't do anything right this <laughs> party. All right, all eyes were on Bryce Harper the other night who suited up for what might have been his final home game with the Washington Nationals. According to reports, he even showed up more than three games before the game, three hours before the game in uniform. But I like I like to think that he gave us a couple hints here. Because first of all, Raja, since you're sitting on Instagram, get out of gram. Check out Bryce Harper's. He posted a big collage of him waving to the Washington crowd. Let me also say during this game, there were a couple of videos of Harper taking a bow as he ran onto the field. So guys, interesting that he would do that. He gone, right?
3: How do you do that though? I want to know from Hannah, the Instagram expert. How do you do that where you have all the photos be
2: one photo? Yeah,
3: you know I mean like, he I like definitely that look. didn't
1: do it. It was some sort of intern <laughs> right. assistant, and it's I like a separate app out. for it. Yeah. oh, it's an app. I, I kind of like that.
2: That's the I love you sign. He was shooting at the crowd there. Yeah, no, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, like he's like, no, seriously. Yeah, no, he's like, no, I'm I'm I'm
3: mean, he's happy. He knows, like he, uh, they've supported him. He's been a fan. I'm out. There. Right, he's gonna go get 300 million. He's gonna barter later, which I don't blame him either. You know, I have something here. I just thought, I love doing this for some reason. I love taking off my shoes. You know what this is, right? what this is right there that's a no. blank canvas for It's oh like all white God. that's that's a blank canvas you know oh you got the ones on but he has the blue he has heel like blue i got heel. i got the green nice we're i so badly wish i later. could show my
1: sneakers off right now but i'm, I'm <laughs> two not blank on. canvases yours. what did kicks. you have on the yeezys right now no yeah. no just some adidas some plain all right Jane adidas. we're all team
3: adidas this yes moment.
1: All, all right, right, that's all for socially relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canell and Bell. Coming up after the break, Raja finally gets to break down his Miami game. Stay with <laughs> us. Stay oh, have later. A
3: Alright, let's finish off some leftovers. Ryder Cup update. Uh, morning matches are all done. U.S. has a commanding 3-1 lead. The only loss was the Tiger Woods Patrick Reed pairing. Mm. Lose to, uh, Francisco Molinari, who this had guy. a member in the British Open final round. Like, he wasn't phased at all. Tiger's Damn, Tiger. number. Maybe he does. Maybe that's why they paired him with him. I can't wait to watch the alternate shot. It's my favorite thing to do. It really puts guys in awkward positions. And it's more pressure on you. Again, different yeah. type of pressure. If you have, if you hit a bad shot, your partner has to deal with Absolutely. it. Uh, Absolutely. Also, you're seeing some names. Phil Mickelson is going to play uh, with Bryson DeChambeau this afternoon against Sergio uh, Garcia and Norin. So that'll be a good match. Webb Simpson's also gonna be out there. Bubba Watson. So you're seeing a lot of these guys who did not play this morning. Right. Get the opportunity this afternoon. So that'll be fun to watch. Beyond that, uh, as soon as we get done with this, we'll go home and watch that. Um, let's finish off. Uh, CC Sabathia, did you see what happened to him? So he was pitching in a game. What, what sport was that? <laughs> <laughs> Baseball, Baseball?
2: No. Against I didn't Tampa.
3: See. And he was in the middle of a one hitter. He was two innings shy of earning a half a million dollar bonus in their game. But there was a little, the game got chippy. There was some talking back and forth. So as pitchers are supposed to do in baseball, you defend your guys, he hits a Tampa Bay uh, player, gets into it, gets ejected, because he didn't go another two innings, which he would have, he was cruising, he loses out on a half a million dollars.
2: Nah, bruh. Nope. You wouldn't do it? Nope. Now listen, if he, if this was purely retaliation. Which is what it was. It was, he was defending his guys. It was retaliation for
3: stuff that had happened earlier in the nah, game. Nah, uh-uh. What no, if, unless we're going, right.
2: go ahead, yeah. What if? Scenario it up.
3: What if you have made and are scheduled to make 250 million? That's different. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly my point. That is a lot different. That's like five bucks now. I mean, seriously, I don't know what the number is.
2: Whatever it is, it's not significant. I like to think about it in these terms though. Like what like, you could buy with 500 No. What, like what it would mean to somebody in my family. Like yeah. if that yeah, 500k, get that away, like yeah. I could, like I could make somebody's life with 500k if in my family, you know what I mean? So like, I'm purely defending a teammate. I'm not I'm probably not losing 500k. I don't I don't care how much money I make.
3: CC after the game said I really I don't really make decisions based on money. I guess just felt like it was the right thing to do. $500,000. The teammates and, loved it. Like Aaron Judge, they were all raving about him, which is cool. They said, that's why we love our guy CeCe, which there, does gain you a lot of points.
2: It does. And like, there was a year in my career, like, if I had averaged 15 points a game, right? Yep. Like, there was a bonus. Like, my Nike bonus was like, I don't want to speak out of term, but it might have been like 100k or something. Like, right. It, but significant to me. <laughs> Basketball do, do you guy, know what I, I mean? Like five grand in apparel. Like, no. <laughs> but garbage. It was significant to me. And I averaged like 14.8 or 14.9. Um, and to the point he made, like I wasn't—that wasn't—never factored into me shooting a couple extra shots. Like I right. never really—I knew it was there, right? But I had too much responsibility to my team to be like searching for extra buckets to to try to try to make a couple extra K. Like I, you know, so I'm, right. with, I'm with you, bro. He sees
3: the entire show. Do you want to break down your hurricanes now? Big win over whoa, North Carolina. I think, I think. Whew, tough opponent there.
2: You joke? <laughs> what? You got jokes? Oh, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, here's what I'm saying though. A lot of people wrote us off after we lost to, uh, after we LSU. lost to LSU. Nobody really knew how good LSU was. LSU is a top what, 5 team right now in the country? Yep. Um, we've come back. I mean, yeah, we haven't played anybody really, but there's not a whole lot of stuff on our schedule. So I'm making the case that if we cruise through the ACC and we get into the ACC Championship game again, hmm? let's say we win it. You're I in. mean, you're in you're in, you're right? In for sure. Let's say we lose it. Right, And then we win a bowl game. It's still a more Great successful season. season than last year, yep. which was Miami's most successful season in a very long time. So for the trajectory of our program, like this this is huge for me, dude. Like This is really, really big. That one loss being validated to some degree by the fact that that team is a top-five team, if we run the table,
3: I'm good. The turnover chain was on display a bunch. Six turnovers in the game, three interceptions, three fumbles. I'm so happy that Mark Rick made the change of quarterback Nikozy and Nikozy we have Perry. a quarterback yeah. I think that's and that's another thing the committee is supposed to look at personnel changes, injury stuff like that. Right. You can say we they suspended Nicozy Perry for the LSU game and say we have a different quarterback now so we are a different
2: better team. Now I know Mark Rick likes to run the ball. Like yep. I, I know he does and there's great balance. You got DJ offense. Dallas and, and 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 Travis Homer like I like it but I I gotta be honest, man. I don't love to play calling. Because that young buck's It is really old school, right? Keep it old school for one more week.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We got the Florida State. Do we have a bet? Do we have a bet? We will. Talk about it next week. Yeah, for sure we will. I don't know how much I'm gonna put on it.